Welcome to episode 124 of the Oklahoma Real Estate Show. On today's show, Jeremy Thomas, a mastermind and developer and business entrepreneurial in Oklahoma City. She's done various projects, including some of you may remember the Urban Farmhouse Designs, which was multiple city blocks downtown in Oklahoma City. It was a furniture store, it was a candle factory, it was a lumber yard, it was an experience, it was a clothing store, uh, all wrapped up into one. And she's done Airbnbs, she's done investment real estate, and she's here today to talk about what Oklahoma City really is about and how to do business in Oklahoma City, how to design things in Oklahoma City, and talk a little bit about her new project, uh, which is uh, a, a new line of scent, a new line of candles, line. fragrance line, uh, that's really turning some heads in the real estate, uh, because uh, as we're dubbing, if it sells, it sells well when it smells well. Right. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that. So thanks for coming on the show today. If somebody in central Oklahoma hasn't heard of you, which very few people haven't, Tell us a brief synopsis of of kind of how you got your start. Who are you? And well, uh, I have been a designer my entire life. I went to OU uh, interior design and ended up moving to Arkansas actually for a little bit with my husband and the kiddos. And so I actually started doing design there. Um, that's really where I got my start was was in Arkansas. Moved back here, ended up getting into real estate, selling real estate. So I've kind of done a little bit of everything. When we were in Arkansas, my husband was a home builder. So I did all the design. This was around 20, 2006? 2006 to about 2009, you know, right around in there. Of course, the big bust hit. And so sure. it was a complete mess. Um, <laughs> so we no longer do that, obviously. But we were building probably about 250 houses a year um, wow. at the very end. Yeah. So we were building a lot of houses. I did all the design work, picked out all the paint colors, did all of that, and then also did the real estate for it. So, yeah. The, tra the, the sales. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listed all of them and did that. Obviously, there were so many homes that we had a whole entire team. Mm. Um, that helped. There were a lot of people that sat in the open houses and did all that. So, I mean, it wasn't just me selling them. So you were doing the sales and development uh, portion of the new construction. Absolutely. And 250 homes a year. It was is, a lot. Yeah. That's extreme. Yeah. We had about three neighborhoods and it was in Northwest Arkansas, the which wow. was com it was booming. It was crazy there. And he was from there or what, what no, took you from no. meeting you? So you met in college. We met in college. And then got, he had the idea to go. Well, actually, how it started was he, a guy came to him in college and said, hey, I want to put you in F&I for David Stanley Chevrolet. And so Jason actually went straight from college into F&I, which is not a lot of people do. Um, usually you have to go sell cars and do all these things before you go into F&I. Um, and he's the he went straight into it, did great, and then was offered a job where he was helping run a dealership in Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what took us there. Gotcha. And he was doing so well in that that he met a lot of bankers and did a lot of things to to get to the point to where they were confident in putting him into building. And so he started doing a few houses on the side and they would sell before they were even 
you know, done. And it just went from there. I mean, Walmart and Tyson, J.B. Hunt. I mean, this is like the hub for them at that time. And Walmart got to the point to where they were requiring that someone live there in Northwest Arkansas for, you know, like their different vendors. Interesting. So then that's you, why you were able to provide the housing it, for these huge corporate headquarters. Couldn't find homes. I mean, they were selling so fast. Wow. Yeah. So roll into a uh, bunch of people got bad financing and yeah. the financing bubble busts. Yeah. 2008, you're left with a lot of inventory and no one buying them. Yes. Yep. Pick up that story. So once that happened, obviously we had to end up going and filing bankruptcy. It was unfortunate, but we had to do it. And uh, we were probably one of the last builders that did. Um, we were right up there, I think at the time, one of the sec- we were probably second largest builder, um, wow. JJT Builders. Uh, we lasted quite a bit through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of um, our friends and other people that were builders and they were doing the larger scale homes, they went down first, unfortunately. Um, what happened was the- So you were entry-level priced. You, correct. You had a product that could still weather a lot of- We could weather the storm for quite a bit. We were, okay. yeah, like I said, kind of one of the last ones. Mm. And what, what started happening was we had, of course, numerous banks that we had our construction loans and things with. We actually had one bank that closed down. Um, so we couldn't even get anything from that bank. I mean, they literally closed down. And then the other banks basically started calling our notes, which I had no idea that you could call a note. I was, you know, we were 28 years old and I was so naive. I was like, what do you, what do you mean they want all the money? They had other people that were defaulting on their loans. They wanted, they wanted their money back. So even though we were still going, we were still selling homes, we were still doing what we were supposed to do. You held up your end of the deal. Sure. Right. They said, you know, we want $1.3 million, you know, within 30 days or whatever. And so banks um, started doing that kind of around to everybody. And so it just got to the point to where, I mean, we couldn't come up with that type of money. We had to sit through, you know, building the homes. And I bet at that time we had about 60 homes that the pads were laid. You know, I mean, we had wow. we just had the pads, the plumbing, you know, um, it made no sense. So we had quite a few that were just framed. And I remember Jason going to the bank going, guys, you know, I understand calling my note because you need the money or other people aren't, you know, um, paying. However, I can finish these right. houses, you know. Here's what, a path what, to get your what, money back. Right. Like here, sure. we could do this. This makes no sense. You know, if you don't, if you don't finish these houses, they're framed, all the lumber is going to be ruined. I mean, what? what are you guys doing? And it just, it didn't make any sense, but that's what they chose to do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so so you ended up having to file bankruptcy because you couldn't, we could, we could come up with money. Sure. And yeah. And everybody at that point is going out of business. No Mm -hmm. one wants to, uh, you know, take over. So then, so what did you do next? So after that, we ended up moving back to Oklahoma. You know, my my family's here, Jason's family's here, so it just made sense to come home. And we brought all of our kiddos and just basically started back over. And that's when we started back over, you know, we ended up doing urban farmhouse design. Just 2009? Um, It was a little later. It was a couple years after that. And so, yeah, we we started up doing... This was a... If I remember the story correctly... In a garage. You're in the garage. Uh, You're saving money for a car. Yep. 
Yeah. And Jason came to you and said, instead of buying the car, or, I have an want to buy some wood. I want to buy some wood. <laughs> and I said, you're crazy. <laughs> no way. We have to have another car. I mean, at this point we have, you know. And you're selling, you're, you're selling homes trying to make ends meet in a very difficult market. Uh-huh. And you tucked little pennies aside uh-huh. for this car. Yeah. And he comes to you saying, yeah, we are not going to buy another car. I want to buy wood. We're going to buy this wood because I got an idea yeah. for a furniture line. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, so so I said, okay, you know, I trust you. <laughs> We've been married for a while. Let's do this. And he actually started just selling the raw wood to a lot of people that just needed the wood. He, he had a really good um, connection. And then once um, we had the wood, he's like, hey, why don't we build a table with it? And I thought, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm going to do this in the garage. And of course, then he wanted me to pick out paint colors and stain. And so here I am. I've got a table in the garage up on cinder blocks, mind you. Um, and I'm sitting there hand painting it, you know, and distressing it and doing all of that. So, yeah, that's that's how Urban Farmhouse came about. Which became the largest custom mm-hmm. furniture store yeah. in the United States. It's really cool. Yeah, we manufactured and customized everything. You know, it would take, depending on what it was, we got to the point where it was like about 60, 90 days out for custom furniture because we just got so... We got so busy, but it was really, really neat. And yeah, we had our own signature. So from, the, from the beginning of the cinder blocks, from mm-hmm. the table in the cinder blocks to, I, I forget how many square foot your total facility was. One was 28,000. Um, one was 8,000. I think the other, um, the lumber company was like 50,000. 50, it, it was really big. Our marketing it's building. Like two city blocks or. Uh-huh. <laughs> it li- literally downtown. Yeah. Took took over a couple blocks. Um, it was like urban farmhouse bill. <laughs> so from the beginning of table on a block to that, how many years did that take? Um, I'm going to say it, it about two years. Wow. It's probably about, you, you know, I mean, it, yeah, I, I guess in all reality, it is kind of fast. But, but at the time, it probably felt it felt it felt just slow. a grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Once you're still you're still working. He's he's working on the projects. He's building a, a customer. I'm still doing from scratch. real. Yeah. No, you're, I'm still, still selling homes and doing sure. doing real estate. And so I would do that, and then I would help with furniture and things on the side. And so basically, I was working two jobs in a way. Yeah. You know, when I would get home in the evenings, I would do um, other things for him. And yeah, that's just kind of how it went. And we started getting so busy that he was like, I need you to leave your job, you know? And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) That was literally- We've done this before. I was like, no. I mean, I'm supporting our whole entire family, making great money and making six figures. You know, I mean, women don't always get to do that, right? And so I was like, no, this is my security blanket. And um, yeah, so I did. I trusted him again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd <laughs> gone through the building and then yeah. lost everything. And, yeah. And to have to trust again. Mm-hmm. You guys found uh, a good synergy between y'all's relationship yes. that yeah. ultimately was the the secret recipe to the success mm-hmm. of Urban Farmhouse. Yeah. Um, you then went on to hire 50 employees, was it? Oh, at at. At the, I think we ended up having 100 at one point in time whenever we had Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Urban Farmhouse Designs was literally the, you were on the very beginning of the push of the Urban Farmhouse, the whole 
Right. When that really kicked off. So rode that wave. Yeah. Chip and Joanna, Magnolia. I mean, actually, we were building we were building the tables before that show ever came out. So um, Fixer Upper was not out at the time when we started this. But whenever it did come out, obviously, it exploded our business. And the nice thing about being a designer is, and a lot of people don't don't realize this, but you just can sense the design trends years prior, right? So the funny thing is, a lot of people don't realize Urban Farmhouse Designs, Mm -hmm. you know, I bought that name years, years before we even started Urban. And I remember buying it, buying the, the domain name, right? And I remember one day they called me, um, we were out of town, and they said, hey, your domain is getting ready to expire. Do you want to renew it? Because I had my phone on speaker, right? And my husband heard it. And I said, well, how much is it? And they're like $15. And I was like, oh, I'm probably not ever going to use it. Why? And Jason goes, Jeremy, it's $15. Just keep it. What if you ever want to do something with it? You know what the name was? Urban Farmhouse Design. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Urban Farmhouse I, Design. I get those com. promptings from good funny? And it, yeah. It's so good. So, But this was years before we even started Gosh. and years before we even built our first yeah. table. But as a designer, you see the trends, you see where it's going, and you can usually tell, mm. you know, and then it's like after that, you're kind of going into the mid-mod, you know, mid-century modern with a, I mean, anyway, we go into different trends and it's for me, maybe not for other people, but I can see them coming from a mile away. When you say you see them coming, uh-huh. is that something you're identifying through movies or you're seeing in kind of trendy characters that are coming into a club? What It's a little bit of everything. What, I mean, are, are I'm it just so, premonitions? I mean, what, how, when you say you're seeing it from a mile away, we're... we're there is a little it. bit of just knowingness in me but yeah i'm such just a say visual. this this personally feels good to me and i know that in the past these things that have felt good to me have resonated with a lot of people right but you do look at you know um movies and you're looking in magazines and you're looking at a lot of different spaces and when you're such a visual person mm-hmm. like I, it, it's funny because my husband it's like i can walk into a room and i can walk right back out and i can tell you where everything's at I mean, it's very it, visual, yeah. extremely. Um, mm. And and so you just look at so many different things and you can just feel it and you mm-hmm. you just kind of know it. It's like then the whole white, you know, everything became white. Right, right, know? right. Um, so, I mean, we just go into these trends and that's just what design's all about. Mm-hmm. You don't read the future, though. I mean, I okay. I and say, let's get together on the lottery tickets and that kind of thing. We could have a business. <laughs> that would be great. So fast forward the tape. You, a, a lot of folks know that that building is sitting there now. Yeah. We'd be saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great furniture store. And it's, we pass by it every day and it's and it's empty and it's vacant. Yeah. And, and kind of briefly give us an overview of why is it vacant? Why is it sitting there? Well, in 2000, I guess it was December 2019, we ended up selling to Millennial Capital Group. It was a group, I think it was five or six guys. And we we sold to them. I stayed on for a couple months. My husband stayed on, I think, for about four months afterwards because he wanted to make sure that all of the um, custom furniture pieces that we took money for and we did a you know custom build for. To your customers. He, he wanted to make sure orders. that 
that stuff had gone through manufacturing and gotten to them. Quality assurance. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, we had people upset basically saying that they didn't get their stuff and whatnot. Mm. And um, I guess it was an, it was blamed on us saying mm. that we didn't. Anyway, you know, that's for another story. But bottom line is that we ended up selling and they moved everything from those from a couple of buildings that we had over into one little small building and just kind of completely changed urban, if you will. Mm-hmm. And when they moved everything, they took they demolished the building. I mean, they took everything out. Um, I, I was told that they took out <laughs> toilets and um, HVAC on top of the roof. Um, they they pulled out the doors, everything, you know. So all the stuff, I bet we renovated and probably put a half million dollars in renovations in that place. It was really cool. Um, yeah, people people that still to this day say, oh my gosh, I remember house designs. Yeah. Had a lady yesterday call me, say the same thing. So, Well, that was so much your experience of for Urban Farmhouse was built off of your dreams of going to Silver Dollar, if I remember correctly. Oh my gosh, and, I can't believe you remember this. <laughs> did I tell you that in the did, pot, the did. last podcast? Yeah, we had to talk about that. So, so, but that was essentially the magic of it was that you as a <laughs> child had such an experience going through the silver dollar and and seeing I love behind the scenes and the, the watching candles experience. being made like yes. that was my thing I remember sitting there and they would dip the candles and they would cut them and it was just so cool and I loved the experience and I thought why can't we as adults you know I mean correct we, we take kids for the this experience why can't we as adults have an experience sure. and so that's where it came from and I remember laying in bed one night um, telling my husband, and this is when we had just made the first table, right? You know, I mean, it's up on center blocks in our garage. And I said, how cool would it be to have an experience where there's like glass and you can see guys working and making your tables while you're shopping? You know, I mean, this I have these imaginations of Jason in a hot garage, sweating with his shirt off, and you're watching <laughs> him make this wood, thinking he's so attractive. And then you want to put him in a box with the windows and have people pay to see him. Is yes. That, is that kind yes, of... that is it. <laughs> You're correct. Uh, okay. And and you did it. I mean, in we a lot... We did it. With, yeah. with 100 people. And, and we'll have that that original video down below. And you can see, you know, they're, they're working with the yeah. tools. You know, Manufacturing. It's it. happening. And then and you can stay in the air-conditioned portion, you know, and watch through this yeah. glass. People walked in and then they had the sense of smell because we had our, our you know, custom scent, if you will, the urban farmhouse scent. And then people would just walk in. And I don't know. I mean, visually in your senses, mm-hmm. we just look at everything. It's beautiful. You you smell this yumminess and it just like I don't know it overwhelms people sometimes Mm -hmm. and they stay in there we've had people stay in for hours yeah hours well there was so much it was we're talking about hundreds of thousands square foot yeah there's a lot to look at but each detail I mean I remember you were taking you had this canoe that had as a light then it turned into a light airplane wing you had turned into a light fixture I mean this was like it was, it was like crazy. Julia's Crab Shack on steroids. I mean, just <laughs> everywhere you looked, there was just like Something. some idea that you had come up with. So you're just 
we had really a lot of people come just for ideas. You know, um, they I had some people, they would walk in and say, listen, I, I can't afford this furniture, but I'm just coming. I just want to get ideas. And they would take pictures and do things. And, you know, I mean, sure, absolutely come in. You know, we loved it because that was the purpose of it was building an experience for people. And I think, you know, that's we had talked about earlier, investors, you know, you can come here. It's kind of like an open campus, or at least Oklahoma is open plains. You know, you can come bring your money and invest. Mm -hmm. But when you do plan on building an experience, you know, plan on building and doing something fun because we have so many places here to do that. And we have so many opportunities Mm -hmm. to be able to build and create experiences for people. Sure. Really. So I'll take us into that because that's a great concept. So we talk about this concept of the canvas of a city that you build a development within. And I use the example of Orlando, where Orlando has the backdrop, of course, of Disney, Walt Disney, and all the characters. And then, of course, you have the weather of Florida. You have the humidity. You have kind of the retirement vibe going on and beautiful weather and beautiful people. And when you build a development within that, you're complementing what's going on there. Whereas when we take a town like Oklahoma... Oklahoma City, which is uh, hundreds of miles of rolling uh, plains, yeah, uh, arguably featureless rolling plains for hundreds of miles. Yeah. yeah, When we do a development here, it is a blank canvas for every meaning of the word. Absolutely, which means your your challenge as a developer is to is to you've got to bring everything into that project. Yeah. You have to take the consumer from really neutral point to the entire experience. And I think that's why your campus being the size that it was, for one, you could do it. Yeah. Whereas if you're in Miami, that facility would have been $300 million. Yeah. Right. Right. Literally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a quarter of a billion dollar development, whereas here you were able to do it for pennies on the dollar Mm -hmm. and give somebody a start to finish whole large scale experience. And you saw that from start to finish, you and you brought that whole experience in. And I think that's where you're arguably my favorite developer in Oklahoma <laughs> because of you understood that so yeah. much yeah. that Jason and you, Jason, her husband, mm-hmm. you guys were together. We're going to do this, and we realized we're going to have to do all of it. All of it. Yeah. I mean, start to finish. I mean, there, the building was just... I mean, there were rats and stuff. It was, it was talk, not Talk a little bit about the good. homeless because let's just talk about this. Yeah. This has become, yeah. uh, Austin's dealing with this. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco's dealing with this. Homeless and mental health has become a real issue we talk about Absolutely. when we're developing subdivisions, when we're developing businesses. You went face in. Especially downtown. To a downtown yes. city block and you were dealing with homeless people on a day-to-day basis. How did you run a business in the midst of that? Let me tell you. You know, in the beginning, it was really hard because we couldn't get them to leave, right? I mean, we we now have got this big warehouse that we're trying to renovate, and they were just around everywhere. And honestly, a lot of people did not want to stop and pull in and come and shop 
because of it. So we knew we had to do a little something. Um, and they were telling you this, right? You were getting feedback. Oh, absolutely. They were saying, I'd love yeah, to come like, see your place. Yeah, but, but I don't want to leave my car. Right, exactly. And I am, I, will, I do remember you talking about it. Mm -hmm. You would meet him at the car. Jason, Jason would actually go. Which is a big guy. Car. For those that don't know Jason, he's a big guy. Well, he's a short big guy. Yeah. That's a big guy. <laughs> I mean, he's got, got you know, he's got some, he's got a lot of muscle, actually. He's a muscle guy. And he would actually go out there and pick them up from their car and take them inside. Yeah. And then um, a lot of our little worker guys would, would help escort, you know, women back out to their car. So, I mean, we were, we were doing that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had to. I mean, we just really didn't have a choice. Now, Jason knew that we needed to kind of expand to be able to control the control area. it, we had to control so our space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Very by getting uh, buildings around, we were now able to control it. And so yeah. a lot of our employees would go back and forth. I mean, finally, we just got to the point to where because they were sleeping and staying and squatting in some of the nearby structures everywhere. And instead of well, no, waiting by the, for the front city door. to do something about it, you yeah. guys said, we're just going to control that. Building. We're going to control it, right. And then now that we're the property owner, we have full rights. Correct. And you could displace. Yes, absolutely. And I will tell you this, you know, we hired a lot of people from the halfway house and things like that. And we were always wanting to help and do things. For In people. the right way. In the right way. Absolutely. And um, Jason has actually taken a few people off the street that were over there that were always just very kind and willing to help. Because what Jason would start to do is he's like, listen, if I'm nice to them and I'm not trying to be an ass, you know, and, and send them on their way, um, he, and, but, but give them something to do. So he would literally go, hey, guys, I'll give you each 20 bucks if you go around the campus and clean up and pick up trash and, you know, do all these things. And they did it because they wanted the money. I mean, right there. And there were some that were just extra special and they really were just there to help. And Jason has taken a few of them off the street and actually put them into working for us, which is kind of crazy. No, but um, so, yeah, that that's ultimately what he did. He controlled the space, but he also gave them money, was nice to them, gave them jobs and said, listen, if you want money, you need to work for it, you know, so. So we were at the the pinnacle point of that development and you were you were on the rocket ship ready to go. Yeah. You, you got an opportunity from a local lender to leverage some of the assets you had mm -hmm. and expand into Texas. Yes. Yeah. He began a project into Texas to have a second campus be started. And during that second campus launch, mm -hmm. that's when your lender was basically indicted, from what I understand. Well, there was some there were some issues going on with it. I don't know if he was indicted. At the, I, I don't know exactly what happened, I'll be honest with you. But things were not good at the bank that we were using. And I know that we were not going to get the rest of the loan or line of credit to finish out. And Dallas. you were about halfway through on the Dallas project? I would or? say we were about half. It, it was finished. We just did not have the manufacturing. You know, of course, we did the same thing where you had the windows where you could see manufacturing and all of that. And we did not have that finished out. So we didn't have people hired. We didn't have the tools. We didn't have that type of stuff. Um, unfortunately, when you spread yourself thin like that mm -hmm. and you go into other areas, you have to have the money to 
build it out and finish it and, and of course, buy inventory and all of that. And since we did not have that, unfortunately, we had to rob Peter to pay Paul, basically, and we were taking inventory and people and stuff from our Oklahoma City campus and trying to take it down there. So now we're spreading Oklahoma thin with its inventory and things like that because we're trying to put it in Dallas, you know, and it just, it worked for a little while, but it just, you, you couldn't sustain um, doing that, honestly. I mean, it really had to have its own loan and, and put that to bed, right, and, and finish it. So unfortunately, it just didn't work out. We so the lender pulled out of his position right at a pivotal point and you guys tried to keep it going you, we just didn't get the rest of the, the we didn't we had a line of credit with the bank but mm -hmm. we just didn't we weren't able to get the rest of what we needed that mm -hmm. um from what i was told we were supposed to be getting for it and and we didn't and you know that's okay life works out the way it's supposed to i don't really understand right um <laughs> So, things like so that, that sounds like but, that's the second time in your life where a bank has critically changed the story for you. If you think if you think about the bank. Arkansas construction, right? Mm -hmm. You had sixty five homes mm -hmm. ready to be built. Your plan was successful. The banker came to you and said, "Well, I mean, we need they, the one point two back." Or yeah, they they need they needed the money. They were calling the note. Yeah, yeah. they're calling the note, and then boom, fast forward. We're, we're expanding down to Dallas. If you don't have the money, you're not, yeah. you, you can't finish your product, you know, your yeah, project, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Which you had self-funded up to that point. Up to that beauty. You, you had mm -hmm. done all the building and infrastructure and bringing in. We did that for years before we even had a line of credit yeah. from a bank. Yeah, so you'd, so you'd self-funded uh -huh. and, and the part that you were self-funding was doing really, really well. It's so interesting how mm -hmm. that third party financing with their agenda and their control came in and kind of muddied the water. Um, I, I've i started to see that, that kind of symptoms in a lot of investors that I've talked to that are doing the hard money lending loans and stuff. Right. Because the hard money uh, loans, uh, especially the ones that are, that are single organizations or small organizations, they seem to be kind of out of the business element of it. Mm -hmm. And they're making decisions from like a, a spreadsheet. Right. That's very... Uh, they don't see the day to day. They don't really know what's going on. Right. And so it does, it, it makes it very yeah. hard. I mean, that is the disconnect a lot of times between having banks and a business. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, it, it's taken a while. I mean, I'm 45 years old, so I've, I've gone through it a couple of times and now I'm not as naive as to how things work. Right. But I, I definitely was. Well, you're looking great for 45. Most attractive woman uh, in Oklahoma City. Just had a new baby not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, we had a COVID baby, I guess you could call it. <laughs> We're like, whoop. So, yeah, <laughs> five kids. <laughs> wow, five kids in the midst of all this development. Yeah. Now, now you got a built-in staff. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, what are you doing next? What, what, what's, what's, you know, the the urban farmhouse days are are behind as of yes. now. Yes. It may come back again. We don't know. I mean, you never know. Um, I will say, thank goodness, having a retail store in the middle of COVID, I think True. we might have dodged a bullet there you know i mean gosh it, that, it was really hard yeah, yeah i sure. can't imagine sure um what would happen at that point but yeah so so basically i have w with urban we had a signature scent that we used to call the ufd signature scent right mm -hmm. and 
of course, your, Which your urban farmhouse designs. Sorry, right? sorry, yeah. urban farmhouse yeah. designs. For those that, that aren't in the club. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but, um, you know, your, your senses, and that was something that my husband and I were very, very big on. We were creating an experience for people. And so we, when they walked in, we wanted them to be in awe. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just visual. Mm-hmm. It was also with your scent. Mm-hmm. And so scent marketing has turned into a very, very big thing right now. Um, a lot of stores, a lot of people are using that. Um, you're even noticing diffusers and things in law offices and in different places. So it's not just for a business, but um, it, it's because it's such a big scent to us. I mean, you have your five main scents, right? Visual and then your your sniffer, <laughs> your nose, Which they say is, is your linked second. To, linked to your brain. It's like it the shortest, yeah. shortest. Uh, you even have a scent memory, you know, and I, I will pour candles and do things and I don't even smell it anymore because you, you, you develop a scent memory. But um, in real estate, it's really kind of taken off because you you walk into this home and, and maybe it's furnished, maybe it's not, but you remember if it has this amazing scent. And so I have you know, a few builders that have bought diffusers from me and they'll get the oil and so they'll put it in their open homes, right? Sure. And and never fails. There's like, I have people, they remember that house. They might not remember all the other homes that they looked at that day mm-hmm. because people will go sometimes and look at seven or eight homes. But guess what? They remember that Amazing. home. They remember what it looked like. They remember exactly what they saw when they walked in because mm-hmm. of the scent. And and people don't realize just how meaningful a scent is. I had a lady, not kidding, she called me on the phone yesterday. And it was because something got messed up in the mail. And so I said, I, I will get this fixed and I'm going to send it to you. And she's like, how did you start this? Went into the whole urban thing. And she goes, I can't believe it. She goes, this is fate. I can't believe I found you. She said, I am literally sitting here looking at my urban farmhouse candle that I refuse to burn because I know I could never get it again. And she goes, I can't believe I found you. And she was just, she, it was so cute. She was so ecstatic. And she was the one that said, you know, scent memory and scents are, um, I, she told me that as as important as touch. So when you touch something, like your scent also is, sure. is about the same. And she said, do you remember what perfume your mom used to wear? Oh, wow. And I said, absolutely. And um, she goes, well, there you go. You know, I mean, so, so you know, this is a 68-year-old lady, so sweet, but we're sitting there talking about sense and how meaningful and how you remember things and memories throughout your life all have to do with sense. So it really is important um, to create that for people. And, you know, especially in real estate, I think, it really is a big, big deal. Um, like they tell you to go put some cookies in the oven really quick, you know, so it smells good for an open house or whatever. It's yeah, kind of yeah. the same, con- you know, same concept. But yeah, so I started up a candle company. Um, I'll call it a fragrance company, if you will, because I do a lot of different things. Yeah, I was going to say. A lot of gift baskets that, that have, I love the, it's kind of the, the. There's a platinum blonde. You have gift. a platinum blonde gift bag, yeah. which it's, it's kind of a cylinder. It's a cool box. It's a, a super cool box, mm-hmm. but it's circular. Uh, which is which is I guess you can't call it a box at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a uh, 
Oh, brown. like a popcorn or something would be in it. Not the tins, but, right. you know, it's that kind of experience. Yeah. Where... Well, I, I really enjoy the packaging side of it, uh, obviously being a because designer. That's the experience. That's too, the experience. That's what people love. Yeah. So I'm back to doing that. So when they receive their box, you yeah. know, even down to the tape that goes onto the box, it says, oh, my gosh, my Thomas Blonde is here. You know, it's yeah. really cool. Super You get cool. to open it up. And I do a lot of different packaging Which I, I think as of the recording this, it's like a $68 uh, present box, I think I saw on, mm-hmm. on the website, which is perfect for a real estate gift. If an agent wants to gift somebody. I actually have give. quite a few realtors yeah. that buy from me wholesale and they give away. Hey. And yeah, they set up a wholesale account because I do, I we manufacture everything here. Nice. And so we wholesale out to lots. I mean, I've got places all over the United States that actually oh, wow. carry my product. But I have realtor, local realtors, and yeah, they come in and they give out candles or they do the gift box. Um, I actually have had a couple that have bought my small diffusers. Mm-hmm. But now, these are bigger homes. These are multi-million dollar homes mm-hmm. that they're closing, right? So they want to give a little bit bigger gift. Yeah, sure. Um, but sure. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it, you know, you somebody's spending a lot of money in your business, mm-hmm. right? You you want to... You want to like, give them something like nice. And, you know, you the days them. are over of like just handing out a cup or mm-hmm. um, something, you know, goodie bags. Now these diffusers, these <laughs> are these are something, you know, a lot of people have them on the table or da 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 da, but you've kind of come up with the hidden design, which is... You can hide them. Yeah. yeah. So I have some smaller ones. I actually have one that can do about 2,000 square feet. So normally um, you will see with like there's a Roma 360, there's a lot of companies that do this now mm-hmm. and they have some small sleek ones However, they barely do two, 300 square feet. I mean, you're oh, going to wow. do a little tiny room, right? Mm-hmm. And so the small one that I have. That would be a little massage room or something is what those It would be perfect for. for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one can do up to 2,000 square feet. Wow. And Which it, covers it is tiny. Most of the house. It covers the majority of it. Yeah. yeah. And so what I do is I actually have mine hidden behind a basket nice. <laughs> over in a couple of different rooms. So I have yeah. two in my home. And, and that's what I do. I even have a little tiny fan going behind it just to help disperse the scent even more. Mm-hmm. I always, if I do fun little hacks like that, I always let people know. Sure. Like grab a little fan from Amazon, you know, and help it disperse the scent out if you want to. Um, so, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, there's, there's obviously everybody falls into a different category. Um there's the there's the huge category, which is what we talked about developing, right? Some of our listeners, they're they're coming in and spending a hundred million here. Some of our folks are buying a half a million dollar house, right? And some may say, "I'm not moving anytime soon. I'm in a rental. How can I develop my experience?" And scent is a great way to do that. Huge. Yeah, you can you can change your space um, by bringing in these new scents and triggering these new memories that that your guests can have when they come over to your house. Absolutely. Now, does you give, you know, talk to me just a little bit about your research on your scents. Like how, how, I mean, do you, do you just go around smelling stuff and just kind of <laughs> write down, you know, what it smells like? Or Sometimes. Um, how does honestly, that work, it's, Willy Wonka? It's, it's a mixture of things. So I will smell different things that I like. And I will actually send them to my scenting house. They're the ones that make all the oil. So I've got a lot of different things. I have oil for Bath and Body. They reverse engineer the They reverse design. engineer Under things. No, interesting. I will literally send them a candle. I can send them body wash. I can send them another perfume. I can send them all kinds of different things. A dog. Things. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> what dog smell? Let me send you a dog. 
Uh, so you would be surprised. I mean, they are yeah. chemists at heart. You know, they've got machines that they put stuff in. And a lot of times they'll send something back. I'll smell it. I'm like, no, I want to add a little more of this or a little more mm -hmm. of that. And so, you know, it is a process. And it mm -hmm. can sometimes take six to nine months to even develop something new. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I started Thomas Blonde with uh, a signature scent that I already had because I had such a big following. So right. which, that signature scent signature is called scent? Blonde. So gotcha. now it is called Blonde. So anyone okay. that that um, used to know Urban Farmhouse mm -hmm. and love that scent, mm -hmm. it is now called Blonde. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have seven different So scents. Urban Farmhouse signature scent mm -hmm. was the name of the scent that we used to see through the windows they would make. They would at, make at our little candle shop. At the lumber, the lumber yard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there would yeah. be benches there. Yeah, and she, you could sit there and watch them pour candles. Yeah. And, and so that candles. was the signature scent, and that's now become blonde. It's now become blonde, right. Which you can find at thomasblonde.com. Beautiful logo you've created there, kind of a white and bright theme. It's white and gold, very simple, anything. sophisticated. Um, I really got to the point where I was kind of sick of having, you know, gold and um, green and all these crazy colors. I'm like, I just want something simple that can go in any home. So whether yep. you have a um, a cabin or a lake house, I mean, it doesn't matter. Mm. It can go really wherever. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. We've covered Thank some you. great topics. Appreciate it. So on the horizon, new fragrances coming out. We have anything new that you want? I'm actually working on, um, yes, a couple scents right now. Uh -oh. I just sent it out to the uh -oh. the scenting house. Of course, I have to come up with a new name and all yep. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you'll do a little uh, quiz out there for folks to to pick the name. Maybe yeah. narrow it down the top. Oh, that'd be lots. Two fun. or three names, and you guys get to participate in the new name. Absolutely. So, uh, well, t tell us how they can get a hold of you, how they can they consume your product, and, yeah. and kind of connect with your new movement here. So we have a retail side. It's thomasblonde.com. We also wholesale. So if you've got any, if you've got a store and you're interested possibly in wholesaling, you can uh, email me at info at thomasblonde.com and I can get you set up and we'll go from there. Yeah. And check us out on social media. It's Thomas Blonde Official. You'll find us there all over. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 121 of the Oklahoma Real Estate Show. If you're thinking about buying or selling in Oklahoma City or the surrounding area, there is a link below to begin. If you've got some ugly ducklings in, in your portfolio me, and you need to sell them, I am the agent for you. You can get in touch with me in the description down below or visit OklahomaRealEstateShow.com.